Hi, I'm Steve Mabb, Chair of the Australian Shareholders Association, and we're proud to be hosting the 2024 Investor Conference in Melbourne from the 19th to the 21st of May. And we're stoked that Phil, the host of this podcast, is going to be our special guest MC. If you haven't heard much about the ASA Conference, it's a flagship event that attracts around 300 investors and industry professionals, including the Chair of National Australia Bank this year, the Chair of AGL. We have Dr. Sam Hupert, the founder and CEO of Primedicus, and we've also got Richard White, the founder and CEO of WiseTech coming along, along with many others. For a limited time, new members can enjoy special pricing on registration for the upcoming conference, along with a complimentary 12-month digital membership with the ASA. That's two-day conference registration plus one-year ASA membership for $499, a saving of $150. Simply search for Australian Shareholders Conference Register, click on two-day conference non-member, enter the discount code MEM, as in member, 499, the number's 499, so that's MEM 499 to claim your special offer. Come along and meet me and Phil at the conference. We look forward to seeing you there. And I hope you enjoyed this episode of Shares for Beginners. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Shares for beginners. But the really successful investment managers marry the two. And so Harvard and countless studies have found that when you combine fundamental research, so looking at the numbers, with technical analysis, like the squiggles on the page of charts, you'll have a better chance of outperforming the market. G'day and welcome back to Shares for Beginners. I'm Phil Muscatello. How do expert investors choose companies to include in their portfolios? Having a systematic approach to investing might make all the difference. Meeting us today is Jessica Ramir from Saxo Markets. Hello, Jessica. Hello, Phil. Thanks very much for coming around. Thank you so much for having me. Jessica Ramir has over 14 years of experience in financial markets and joined Saxo from Bell Direct, an online stockbroking business where she was the lead senior market analyst and a presenter. Jessica also has extensive broadcast experience with the ABC, Sky News, Seven and Nine Networks, where she interviewed Prime Ministers including Tony Abbott, Julia Gillard and Kevin Rudd, as well as Federal Treasurers and ASX 200 CEOs. So Jessica, without getting political, who was your favourite Prime Minister (laughs) to interview? (laughs) Do you know what? Mm. Nothing politically charged, but because of the cultural heritage I actually really enjoyed chatting to Joe Hockey when he was treasurer. Oh, okay. Yeah, a little bit of the he, Middle Eastern thing going yeah, down there. Yeah, he's actually um, part Armenian. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So nothing to do with politics. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I actually met him once at a party and he was quite a charming guy. He's lovely. Mm. Yeah. So tell us about um, your role. I mean, just before we started chatting today, you were talking about that your role was talking with clients. It was also doing media appearances. What's your day start like? What are you doing with at the beginning of each day? Well, I generally don't sleep very many hours, but I, uh, I wake up, I see what happened in the US and how European markets closed, and then what's happening with commodities, a great 
easy to read website I sometimes refer to as CNBC. Mm-hmm. And then we go into a morning meeting in the office and say, this is what's happened in markets. This is what I think clients should be aware of today. And here's some possible trading ideas. Yep. And then meetings roll on, the phone might call, media. And you've got a global team. You're part of a global team, you said. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So um, I'm in the um, Asia Pacific team. Mm -hmm. So we've got a Singapore office, a Hong Kong office, and China and Japan. And um, also more broadly, we've got a very large European presence. In Europe, we're called Saxo Bank. Mm -hmm. Our license doesn't um, allow us to be a bank here in Australia. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, so Copenhagen, France, Copenhagen being the capital of Denmark. Yeah, France, um, Italy, anywhere that you could think of almost, there's a Saxo office. (laughs) And you're all throwing ideas around, an international idea throwing around situation, I'd I'd presume. That's that's what you're doing about views on markets, yeah. Totally. It's great to have feet on the ground and they can actually, you know, see what is most attractive to investors and why or what's moving before it becomes a trend. So that's great to share it with clients as well. Yeah. Yeah. Do you get excited by the job? I love it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. definitely, definitely. I think I'm blessed to be in my dream job, I think. Yeah, so just helping clients, helping people understand what's going on in the financial world Mm. so that they can make money. That's pretty much it, yeah. It's pretty cool to see people come up to you, you know, publicly or a client. They're like, oh, thanks so much for talking to me about that stock or... I've made so much money. I'm like, oh, that's so good. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's great. And what was it like working in uh, the media as well? I mean, it's a completely different vibe, isn't it, working in the media to finance? Yeah, totally. Mm. I wasn't at Triple J for probably as long as you, but I did. Oh, you worked I at did. Triple J as well, did you? Oh, I did some news yeah. for Triple J, mm-hmm. very seldomly, mm-hmm. but very different being in media. The hours were really long, but I think it just taught you being in media, and I think you'd probably agree that everything's moving so quickly. How do you possibly do everything at once? And it just teaches you to have a look at everything and then take action quickly. So it helps you with any job, I think. Yeah. And you can easily and quickly read something and then understand it and then relay it in really easy-to-understand language. So I think... That was probably the best thing. Yeah, I think it's communication skills, isn't it? Yeah. Totally. Yeah, yeah. because they, you can take those skills and use them, you know, in face-to-face interactions with colleagues and and even when you're talking to the general public in the media as you do, was it 30% of the time? Yeah, 30% of the time, all the time. No, that's <laughs> that's a quote from a movie. <laughs> no, it's yeah, so 30% of the time I'm helping Saxo clients mm-hmm. understand what's going on and helping them with consideration. So yeah. we say, well, why don't you look at this sector and here's some stocks to look at. Mm-hmm. This company is likely to grow their earnings by this much and earnings drive share price growth. So that's probably more attractive than the other company that's losing market share. So just kind of keeping it really simple, but giving them ideas and strategies. So 30% of my role is helping clients, 30% is media, and then 30% is um, is research. But I think it's more research. Yeah. Well, I think I've got the numbers wrong, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so 
Today we're going to be talking about a recent article that I read where you're talking about um, the process that you can go through to screen for choosing stocks to put in your portfolio. And we'll, we'll put a link in the episode notes to that particular article, but let's go through it. So what you referred to, one of the first points, is becoming observational. What does that mean? What's being observational when you're looking at companies to invest in? Good question. What is being observational? So it's simply just switching on, I guess, uh, as many aspects of your brain as you can. <laughs> you just look at things almost like a brainstorming exercise and think about how could that potentially be an investment opportunity. So when you walk out into the street here, what do you see on the road? Do you see less cars? Do you see more cars? Do you see more electric vehicles? And then in your office, what do you see? Are more people using a particular type of brand of mobile phone? How do people pay for their transactions? Are they using Zip Pay or they're probably not using Zip Pay anymore? They might be using Apple Pay, etc. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So just observe what's going on around you and then think about the companies that could benefit. So let's say, for example, if you're seeing more Teslas on the road, I know, for example, I'm seeing a lot more Teslas. They're there. everywhere, aren't they? I, I can't know. believe it. Yeah. I know. There's one yeah. just up the road here and I just, you know, because there's no off-street parking here and I don't understand how they can keep it charged, but they must do it somehow. Yeah, and they charge them for like three hours. It seems yeah. like forever. I never see an extension cord out across the footpath. Oh, You don't? No, no, no. (laughs) However. Yeah, so you might see more electric cars on the road and then think, okay, well, I might have a look at Tesla. So that means that their earnings might be growing over time. And then that's probably where you'd start. Because that's the Philip Lynch line, isn't it? Just uh, invest in what you know, isn't it? Yeah, totally, totally. Yeah, Mm. so a famous investor... Peter Lynch said... Peter can, Lynch, not Philip yeah, Lynch. Yeah, um, you, you had your name on, on your mind. <laughs> I think that he was a treasurer at one stage, Philip Lynch. Oh. <laughs> yeah, so uh, Peter Lynch uh, wrote a book called One Up on Wall Street, which is yep. a great book that I, I probably recommend. And um, I think his wife actually kind of said, well, have you thought about this? Or, you know, seeing more Starbucks stores opening up here, there and everywhere. Have you thought about Starbucks? And so he kind of like took a step outside from being a professional fund manager and then was like, oh, yeah, that's a really good point. Like if you just observe what's going on around you, it just makes total sense. Yeah. I guess at this point we should date stamp this episode that we're recording on the 6th of April 2022, depending on when you're actually listening to this. The next um, point that you made in this article, and I should have said there's six steps in this article, and this is the second step we're looking at, and that's to pick a sector that's growing. Mm. How can you ascertain that? That's a very good question. So let's say, for example, if you watch the nightly news or you like to read The Australian or the AFR or the ABC, and you just start to see some trends emerging, let's say, for example, last week, US President Biden announced that he would essentially be changing the legislation and he would be making sure that electric vehicle key ingredients like lithium, cobalt, nickel, etc., that they could be produced in the US. So that means that you'd think that more money will be going towards those key commodity sectors in the US. So you'd think that sounds pretty hot. Or Another growing sector example would be interest rates are rising 
Who's going to be making more money when rates rise? Well, it's probably banks. Mm. So they're just two like really simple examples, but uh, it can be more complex. And I think it has to be a bit more complex than that because I know when you have discussions with friends in the pub, they'll tell you something and they will see something like this and say, oh, this is a growing sector. But it's not really as simple as that, is it? You know, you really have to totally yeah. do your due diligence and really dig into things. Yeah, totally. I think it's important to know that when an economy is either expanding, like we are now in Australia and the US, or when an economy is slowing, different sectors also behave differently as well. Mm. And I think that two great examples of that would be in August last year, in August and November, we saw tech stocks basically tumble Mm. in the US and Australia. And that was because the US Federal Reserve signaled that they would be rising rates. And so rising rates don't really help companies that are born off low interest rates. And they typically carry higher debt than, say, a bank or a, a mining company. I think this is the idea that growth companies and these are high-flying tech stocks, obviously, Mm. do get negatively affected by interest rates. Perfect. Exactly. Mm. So that's an example of a company that it would see its growth squeezed or earnings squeezed. Mm. And we know earnings growth, not earnings, earnings growth drives share price growth and profit and cash flow growth also drive share price growth. So because tech stocks predominantly born off low interest rates, um, very debt heavy. Their shares fell when the Federal Reserve said, yep, we're going to hike rates. You can kind of see that the market was forward looking and thinking the tech sector is going to have a pretty tough time going forward. So for the next 10 years, we think that tech will no longer be the hottest growth sector and it will be commodities because interest that rates long. are rising. Yeah, for yeah, that long. Yeah. And, and you just made an interesting point. You said earnings growth mm. drives share price, not earnings. What's that mean? Yeah. So here's a great example. So yeah. Tesla, for example, their earnings, so their earnings before interest tax depreciation. Yeah, just the money that's just coming in through the front door. That's it. Yeah. Yep. Earnings and profit. The headline numbers will be higher than last year, but their growth is slowing. So, you know, instead of going up by, say, 20%, it's probably going to go up by 5%, for example. Mm -hmm. And so that means that earnings growth is slowing. And that typically, I guess, is a great example of how you would look at a company that's probably going to see a falling share price over mm. the next year or so. Yeah. Tesla, though, by example, their shares were trending higher on the short term, but over the long term, they're looking a bit squeezed because of that. Yeah. Yeah, because their earnings growth is, is slowing. And their earnings growth is slowing not just because rates are rising, but the most expensive part of making an electric vehicle is lithium. So it's about a third of a percent of uh, the cost of making an electric vehicle. And then you've got the nickel price, which is going bananas. Going through the roof, yes. Copper yeah. price. So these electric vehicle makers are having a really tough time because there's a lack of supply mm. of commodities or essentially rare earths and minerals. And there's rising demand like Tesla and Renault and BMW. They're all racing to be 
you know, the biggest producers of EVs. Mm. So demand is high and supply is limited of commodities. And so that's why we think it's probably more attractive. If you want upside, you're probably best placed to look at commodity companies that essentially provide, you know, the feedstock or the nuts and bolts of an electric vehicle. There's definitely more upside in mm-hmm. in the commodities that are essential yeah. to going into an electric vehicle than there is in an electric vehicle company like yeah. Tesla. Tesla. Okay. Because that's a really interesting that you've got to, you know, when you're thinking about investing, that you've really got to focus on where you're going to get the best value for your money, you know, because a lot of people will just go, oh, there's a lot of Teslas out there, you know, I'll invest in Tesla. Totally. I mean... Maybe a year ago, that would have been pretty good. But because mm. of the the war in Ukraine mm-hmm. and because of secondly rising interest rates, the dynamics have shift and commodity prices have never been so high. Yeah. And they'll probably go higher over the next year, 10 mm-hmm. years, etc. So that's why you're seeing more government support, which is another factor that I look at for a growing sector, is there government support. So you'll probably see more government support go into these critical minerals to make sure that the world can be, yeah, carbon neutral by 2050. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what big wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. So we're in um, post-federal budget season. What's the information that you can get out of federal budgets that um, could possibly inform your investing? Yeah, that's a really good question. I think um, with tip two with stock picking, uh, we were saying pick a sector that's growing. When you're looking at a budget, you can really easily see how much money is going to go to a certain sector and where the government's priorities are. So, for example, we saw um, cybersecurity was going to get a record amount of spending. So we like cybersecurity. Low emissions technology the uh, SCOMO budget highlighted record money would be put toward low emissions. So that means hydrogen, rare earths, etc. And then the other sector that they highlighted was defence. They're putting more money to defence, agriculture and infrastructure. And so these are growth sectors. They're all growth sectors. And then if you have a look at the performance of the sectors and stocks in these sectors and how they've performed over the past year, they've actually done pretty well and they've outperformed the market. Mm-hmm. So it really kind of is a really easy way to kind of pick a growth sector just by having a quick glance at, say, I don't know, wherever you read, you digest the, the budget from, ABC. Twitter. I need the Twitter. Twitter. Oh, Twitter. <laughs> Shit posters on Twitter. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. No, no. <laughs> But actually, the government's website make it really easy. They yeah. literally like highlight the sectors, how much money is going to this sector, where is it actually going to, 
great. You see water infrastructure, a new dam's going to be built in Queensland and that's going to create a new food bowl in Queensland. Okay, so the next point that we're coming to is looking for companies with a growing market share. Now, this might be a little bit harder to ascertain. What tips do you give for that? That's a really interesting question. So you'd think it'd be pretty hard to find. Mm. But a great place to start is to just think about the companies who are dominating their sectors. So a company like BHP is only going to get bigger. So they've got opportunities of scale. They've got great relationships with China. They've got great relationships with India. I've actually met the CFO of BHP and I kind of got to understand that he's got quite a really good relationship with China. Hmm. So regardless of any potential political tension, it's safe to say Australia's biggest company, BHP, is probably only going to get bigger. And that's because China wants to grow their economy at about 5.5% this year, which means they need more infrastructure and BHP is the biggest supplier of iron ore to Mm. China. So that's kind of an example of picking a company that's growing its market share. In cybersecurity, we spoke about record spending being put down on the table by the Aussie federal government. Over in the US, Joe Biden's also put down record spending for cybersecurity as well. So you can just do a quick Google search, who is the biggest cybersecurity company? Mm. And then so probably up will come CrowdStrike. And so CrowdStrike, the majority of their business, I think it's 98% of their business, they actually supply contracts to the US government, all the various departments. So that is only going to grow. Mm. And then this company will probably uh, be lent on by the private sector. And so that that's an example of uh, commodities and cybersecurity. So yeah, in the consumer discretionary sector, which I'm not keen on, by the way, mm. nor is our global team, because interest rates are rising. But if you did want to- spending, huh? Totally. totally. And wouldn't inflation presumably as well, the way inflation's going, people are now prioritising food and um, petrol over consumer discretionary? Yeah, totally, totally. So you'd expect consumer discretionary items like, Mm. you know, buying a new Bose speaker for your home, it's not going to be front and centre. Yep. Inflation, the cost of buying your chicken for the family is is only going to get higher. Mm -hmm. So that being said, we'll just jump to staples. Mm. So in Staples, your chicken. Yeah. So you've got Ingham's chicken on the shelf. So there's only a few leaders in the poultry space. So it's quite easy to do a quick Google search on that. So yeah, regardless of what sector you're looking at, commodities, cybersecurity, defence, logistics, or Staples, think of the biggest brands and then ask yourself, will they be around in 10 years' time? And that's probably a great way to really easily distinguish a leader from a laggard company. Okay, so the next um, thing to look for, and this is an interesting one, is finding companies that are about to be added or removed from an index like the ASX 200 or the S&P 500. How do you find out this kind of information and what does it mean? Yeah, it is really interesting and not many retailers look at it, but the FinTwit space on Mm -hmm. Twitter they, they lap love their it up. stuff, don't they? Yeah, yeah they mm. lap it up for breakfast, lunch and dinner. So every quarter, the S&P, Dow Jones Indices, so they're a global research organisation, they make the key indices 
So they make the key indices that ETF providers that say VanEck or BetaShares or ETF Securities, they make all the indices or indexes, whatever you want to call it, however you sit on the grammar fence. Um, but they make the indices that ETF providers copy and then sell ETFs. I don't mm-hmm. know if is that too pie in the sky, but... Uh, we've discussed it previously on the podcast. Okay, we're, cool. No, where we talked about um, what indices mean. Yeah, I nerd out and geek out on these kind of things. <laughs> okay, nice. <laughs> but so, uh, that just means the, the weightings of the companies or which companies are actually included in these indices, doesn't it? Totally, yeah. yeah. The S&P Global Organisation will say at the end of the month, they'll put out an announcement and it will be published on the ASX and it will be also published on their website as well. And then they'll say reviewing quarterly rebalance and then they'll have a list of the top 50 companies, the top 100, the top 200 and the top 500. Mm -hmm. And in that there'll be companies that are going to be added to the ASX 200 and removed. And then you can bet your bottom dollar that investors will take this before it actually occurs. So they generally put it out a month before It will take effect, which means investors have got some lead time to look at the stocks, see what sectors they fit in, are they a growth sector, before, I guess, the fund managers or ETF providers have to compulsively buy stocks. So, say, for example, I saw over 11 lithium companies added to the ASX 300, the biggest 300 stocks on the ASX. And then so I dived down and I saw, okay, whereabouts are these lithium companies located that are listed on the ASX that have just grown in size to Mm. make them good enough to get into the ASX 300? And then so that's kind of where you'd start your journey. So are these mining companies next to an electric vehicle maker? Because if they're in, say, Africa, for example, that's not very attractive because it means that Tesla will have to go and pay a whole lot of um, haulage to go and pick up lithium from Africa yeah, and then yeah. take it back to the to the mothership to make electric vehicles. That's just an example. So just have a look at that. Just do a quick Google search, see where the company's minds are, and then you can go from there. But Bottom line, it's a great way to get ahead of the market, number one. And secondly, it's a great way to get ahead of fund managers before they have to compulsorily buy these stocks that are in an index. So because ETF providers, they rebalance their portfolios every quarter. So they get this from the S&P Global Dow Jones Indices Organization, and then they make their changes to their Mm -hmm. portfolios. So for example, ETF Securities, they might rebalance the ACDC battery minerals ETF based on what they see in S&P Global's announcement. Wow, that's an interesting uh, insight to have. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's pretty cool yeah. and it's mm-hmm. publicly available. Yeah. So if you don't know where to find it, head to S&P Dow Jones Indices website. Yeah. Or let's say, for example, you know of a stock that was added to an index, you can just find it on the ASX announcements page mm-hmm. on that and then you'll see the whole list of all the stocks that are being added yeah. and removed. Yeah. 
So the final point in this list is using technical analysis. Now, this is really interesting because a lot of people think of technical analysis as being a little bit like astrology. You're just looking at all the the lines on the chart and the candlesticks and all of that as some sort of necromancy. But um, (laughs) (laughs) there's actually valuable information that you can get from looking at charts. Totally, yeah. totally. So some fund managers, believe it or not, feel they base their entire business on just looking at charts. Mm-hmm. Some fund managers just look at fundamentals as in, you know, the, the balance sheets. Yeah, the balance yeah, sheets and everything. Totally. Yeah, yeah. But the really successful investment managers marry the two. Mm-hmm. And so Harvard and countless studies have found that when you combine fundamental research, so looking at the numbers, with technical analysis, like the squiggles on the page of charts, yeah. Yeah. you'll have a better chance of outperforming the market. Mm-hmm. And so you don't really need to go too far into this if you do want to take your stock picking to the next level. So after you've picked a stock, you can sometimes look at a chart and see if it's in an uptrend or a downtrend, like if it's going lower, for example. So I don't know how to describe where you would start on a podcast. but It's a bit hard because it's a visual thing, isn't it? Yeah, But but someone once said to me, all you got to do is if you can just see the trend from across the room, like you don't even – that's just, exactly right. You look at a price yep. chart of a company and see where the price is going. And if it's going from the bottom left to the top right, it's in an uptrend. If it's going the other direction, it's in a downtrend. It's totally. as really simple as that. Totally. And then so just take that philosophy and then apply it to different time zones. Mm. So then look at the company that you're looking at on a weekly basis on a monthly basis and on a yearly basis. Mm-hmm. And you can do that with any charting tool or any platform that you use. You just on the drop down click, you know, week, month, year, and then you can see the trends that are occurring because all markets, all stocks move in cycles. So whether they're trending higher and they have a little bit of a fall and then a little bit of an uptrend, mm. but they're still trending higher, but it's important just so that you're not disappointed it's also an opportunity to look at the downturns for an opportunity to buy in as yeah, well. Yeah. If you're really gung-ho on a company and you know it's going to grow its earnings or you think that they're going to make a big announcement. Yeah, so marry uh, fundamentals with technicals. There's a couple of indicators that I like to look at. Yeah. So three, moving averages. So basically fund managers will use moving averages to sometimes – buy-in. So they're quant traders. Mm -hmm. So if you just add a moving average line, a 50-day moving average and a 200-day moving average, and then essentially when you look at the two lines when they intersect, it'll tell you when fund managers will be forced to buy in Mm -hmm. or when they sell. So when the short term, the 50-day moving average falls below the 200-day moving average and they cross. It's called a death cross. Mm -hmm. And it means that fund managers will essentially be selling. If you have the opposite and the short-term crosses the long-term pointing up, then it's called a golden cross. And then you'll see fund managers, quant traders, essentially their programs, whether they're at their desk or not, their programs will automatically buy. So that's a great um, technical indicator to add. So it's moving averages, 50-day and the 200-day. The other one, you don't have to do too much. You can just 
click add and you add RSI mm -hmm. and the other one is MACD. You don't have to do anything to those, just add them on your chart. It's just really easy. So RSI is essentially, it gives you a squiggle and it's, yeah, a bit of a worm. And then so all you have to know is that buying is hot when the squiggle is at the top of the page and if it starts to turn over then that and means drop down yeah exactly mm -hmm. then yeah. that the shares could pull back mm -hmm. so that would be really valuable to look at that on a monthly chart for example and then the other one the third one phil the macd this is also the strength of the buying or the selling and then so similar similar patterns so you're looking for the squiggles going over so the the worms essentially are going down into the ground yeah and then when it crosses the middle line, and then that means that then there's going to be a lot of selling. And then on the opposite side of the spectrum, you'll see a lot of uh, professional investors buy in when the squiggle picks up off the bottom and then crosses above the middle MACD line. I hope I haven't lost anyone. I think I lost myself. But No, no, no. It's, it's pretty clear. <laughs> I've, I've fiddled around with many of these as well. So we've just okay, got the, cool. the two moving averages, the 50-day and the 200-day moving awesome. average, the MACD and the RSI. Perfect. So let's just um, bring this home and wrap it all up. And I think one of the points and one of the things I enjoyed about reading your article is that if you want to invest directly in the share market, you've got to have a systematic approach. Totally. And a lot of people go in with no idea and they just – you know, they have maybe one or two little ideas and then they just jump in and often will be disappointed. Mm. What is the importance of having that systematic approach? So you can step back and reflect on your successes or your failures and then you can see if you either followed your system or if you shied away from it. And then why did you deviate from your from your model or from your mm -hmm. metrics. Sometimes it can be a bit of FOMO. So you hear something at a backyard barbecue and everyone mm -hmm. will say, you know, buy this, for example, Twitter. Yeah. So Twitter shares jumped up 27%, but a lot of people might not know how their earnings are falling. Mm. So you've got to do your homework. And it's really not that hard if you don't have access to financial tools or a good platform which will tell you if a company's earnings are, are falling or rising. Yep. You could just have a look at some articles online. Mm -hmm. But, yeah, ultimately you want to be a successful investor and so that's why having a systematic approach actually works and it's been found and proven that you'd have a more successful trading journey. So tell us about where you work, Saxo. How can people find out more information and what can they get from Saxo? Oh, at Saxo, we um, we provide access to all markets. So we're a global organisation. We're backed by a global bank. And uh, with Saxo, clients can get access to some of these tools that we, that we spoke about. Mm. So I think a good platform will give you access to fundamental research and also technical research and then also research from... Uh, people like myself, just to give you a bigger picture, say, hey, this is what's going on. This is probably what you should be aware of. Thinking about in your investing, yeah. Totally. Because sometimes I think we all um, just stick to what we know. Mm. But um, there's a lot to be said about, you know, removing removing the glasses that we've got on. I don't know. I can't really think of a turn of phrase to say. 
<laughs> and uh, stepping outside. Taking, taking off our rose-coloured glasses. Taking off our rose-coloured glasses. <laughs> yeah, but there's a lot to be said about looking at big picture research and then also getting down to the nitty-gritty. And you want a platform that makes it really easy to do that. Jessica Ramir, thank you very much for joining me today. Thank you so much for having me, Philip. If you found this podcast helpful, please tell a friend, especially if it's someone who needs to start thinking about investing for their future. You'll be helping them and helping me to keep this show on the road. Shares for Beginners is for information and educational purposes only. It isn't financial advice and you shouldn't buy or sell any investments based on what you've heard here. Any opinion or commentary is the view of the speaker only, not shares for beginners. This podcast doesn't replace professional advice regarding your personal financial needs, circumstances or current situation. And thank you for listening to my podcast. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.